0: In today's episode, we are talking about opiate addiction, we are talking about chronic pain, we are talking about the use of medical marijuana. So I want to offer a trigger warning to anyone who feels as though any of those topics might be difficult to listen to today. And I'm really excited about this conversation with Rob. Rob is someone who is sorting through his relationship with addiction and I think models A way for us to think about the gray places where we all live. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Rob. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about how you usually spend your days.
1: I'm a little bit of a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I changed jobs earlier this year, and it's a very dynamic role. We do emergency services, so I never know day to day exactly how many hours I'm going to be working or what hours. But I really enjoy my work and the people I work with. And then I have a wife and two dogs. We have no children. We've been married 20 years but enjoy spending a lot of time with our dogs
0: Ugh, dogs proof that there might be something better in this world yeah so what question are you bringing today
1: so my question revolves around kind of some addiction related things but more specifically addiction related podcasts i've never gone through what people would consider traditional addiction i've had a history with chemical dependency. And I, because of that, and knowing that I like opiates, I've for a number of years, over 15 years now, I've kind of had to treat myself, I guess you could say, as an addict light. Mm-hmm. And w- I've had a system of checks and balances in place with my wife around the use of opiates. I haven't had to use a lot of them, but I've had to use them on and off for more than 15 years. But part of what has helped me keep things in check on my own and has been listening to addiction related podcasts mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, things have kind of shifted in terms of that. And I, again, this is for some people might be sensitive, but I obtained my medicinal cannabis card mm-hmm. and for the first time in like 17 years, I have not had to need the need to keep opiates in my home. Mm. It's been very altering and freeing in yeah. terms of that relationship with opiates. However, most of the addiction-related podcasts that I listen to don't view cannabis very favorably. And I'm wondering if this is still a productive relationship for me.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you found something that is freeing for you. We have a good friend who has had shoulder pain, like prohibitive shoulder pain for 30 years and got his medicinal marijuana card. And it's like a different person. Like, yep. he is just not in pain anymore. And it's it's just such a delight to see someone get their body back in that way. And so I'm just, I'm really glad that you've had that experience.
1: Well, and it doesn't have, for me, it, and I understand this is different for different of people. Course. There's no chasing the high. There's no, you know, with opiates, I always look forward to the buzz, the, you know, whatever. And I can get relief from my pain without that with cannabis. Yeah. It's just very different.
0: Yeah. So when you listen to these podcasts that have been a great support to you, if I'm understanding correctly, over the last 15 years, and they talk about cannabis and medicinal marijuana in a negative way, does it feel like an asterisk on an otherwise really productive relationship? Or does it feel like, nope, this – this is really hard every time they say something like that.
1: A little bit of both. Um, So for one of the podcasts I listen to in particular, one of the hosts is a former police officer and one is a former football player Mm -hmm. played on a high collegiate level and in the NFL. And so because of their personality types, there's a certain amount of machismo. Mm -hmm. And at times it feels like it's bordering on like the old school toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I, they just seem to have zero tolerance for it. And, and I can understand that from a more addiction mindset. Sure. And I guess that that's kind of where I get lost is I wasn't your traditional addict, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Rob, I'm wondering if you can just for my ignorance, explain what you mean by traditional addict versus how you see yourself.
1: Uh, So I guess a little bit about my history there in that regard, I had an injury and I was prescribed large amounts of opiates for the injury and developed chemical dependency, but I didn't take anything that wasn't prescribed to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't abuse the system. I didn't go to multiple doctors, but chemical dependency in and of itself, you know, there's a lot of people who, for whom addiction starts as chemical dependency. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's certainly an element of addiction. But for me, I guess I stopped at chemical dependency, but I also know that I like the opiates and the way they make me feel. Mm-hmm. And so I was afraid it could go further down a, a different course. Yeah. I never, again, never took anything that wasn't prescribed to me, never went to multiple doctors, any of those types of things, the the things that I guess become more common in addiction.
0: So if we think of addiction as a spectrum, right? Like you were on one level of the spectrum, and this podcast seems to be addressing a different level of the spectrum. Is that a fair summary?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. So I have endometriosis. I would say I sort of have like, if endometriosis can be on like a one to you not noticing really to 10 of causing like constant pain, I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. I can imagine listening to a podcast about a 10 and being like, almost like it's cathartic like I can really imagine that being helpful. I'm wondering if you could describe to me what is helpful about listening to this this podcast even though you feel like there are potentially some unhelpful elements
1: so I my history with opiates begins about 17 years ago mm-hmm. and over the course of that 17 years, I'm fortunate I've been able to largely keep it under control. So my main check and balance was I had to tell my wife every time I took a a pill. Mm -hmm. She didn't control them. She didn't say yes or no. I just had to tell her. Mm -hmm. And over that period of 17 years, I only caught myself on two occasions trying to justify taking a pill without telling my wife. Mm -hmm. In both instances, it was listening to a podcast that made me realize what I was doing and catch myself and stop myself before I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the understanding with my wife has always been the day that I'm taking pills without telling her is the day I have a problem.
0: And was it this podcast in particular that helped One you? One
1: of there? the two times, yes.
0: Yeah, wow. And what role do you feel like this podcast has in your life now? Is it, I don't want to get there again, and this podcast has helped me before, and so I'm scared to let it go? Is
1: uh, That's, I guess that's the part I'm not sure now is what role does that play because now for the first time in such a long time I don't keep opiates in my home anymore Mm -hmm. it's not something that's in the back of my mind anymore because it's not there and I don't have the relationship same relationship with the cannabis and so I now have uh, some mechanism of relief that doesn't have the same baggage Mm -hmm. And so now I'm not entirely sure. Part of me wants the safeguards in place mm-hmm. just in case for the cannabis, because again, I understand there are those who've gone through addiction for whom that's not an option. I'm fortunate, I guess, that it is an option for me. Yeah. But I again, I don't want to go down that path. I don't worry about going down it with cannabis. But for example, I recently was hospitalized in April and was on large amounts of opiates and came out of the hospital on large amounts of opiates. And again, I have a great relationship with my wife. And before we even left the hospital, she said, hey, I'm concerned about this. Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation about it, reaffirmed what the system was. And then I made the choice to take it even a step further and used an app to track all of my medications. Mm -hmm. And in addition to telling her every time I took a pill, uh, every day just handed her the app and she could look through what I'd been taking. Mm -hmm. Even then, I was only on opiates for about a week Mm -hmm. and had to go through some a very mild form of of withdrawals at the end of that, yep. and again, just don't want to end up on that course. But it was the only the second time in seventeen years that I didn't finish a prescription.
0: So it sounds like your relationship with opiates is something that you live in like great concern of and with. And this podcast is one of the guardrails has that has made you feel safer in that relationship. But you've also mentioned that there's some toxic masculinity on the podcast. And so I'm wondering if you could explain to me what you think that risk of the toxic masculinity or other components of the podcast is. Why is this guardrail starting to seem like a concern to you?
1: So I guess the concern and the issue with it is it does make me question whether I'm making some of the right choices. After my hospitalization, I also have less options for dealing with pain. Doctors no longer want me taking NSAIDs.
0: I don't know what an ANSED is.
1: Like ibuprofen. Oh, great. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Got it. Prior to my hospitalization, I had been taking a once a day ANSED, and now that's not something I can take. And so at this point, literally the only option I have for any relief of the pain is the medicinal cannabis. And so I guess part of my concern is the way that they talk about it and the way they put it down. It makes me question myself and some of the choices I'm making, and it makes me wonder if that's still the right fit for me then.
0: This is so hard. You have a tool in your toolbox that has kept you safe, and then this is a moment where you're looking at the tool, and you're like, are you keeping me safe and hurting me, or are you more hurting me than keeping me safe? I'm trying to think of a good metaphor of, of like, I can imagine, right, like, You want to be a swimmer, even wearing floaties. The floaties have helped you before, but you're like never gonna swim the way that you want to swim if you keep wearing the floaties, right? Like, I'm not sure that that's a perfect metaphor, but I really feel that like bobbing in the water, like, I love these floaties, but they might be getting in the way of something I meant to do.
1: I'm with you. I'm not sure it's the perfect metaphor, but I understand where (laughs) you're going with it. And I guess that's where I'm getting stuck. I, I've continued to listen to the podcast on and off when I felt like the the machismo was getting in the way. I've just fast forwarded through the episodes, mm-hmm. and I found myself sometimes just skipping entire episodes because I found that I didn't have the headspace for it. Yeah. For example, the opening of their podcast, like the sound clip they play to open it, is like a Bruce Buffer clip. You know, the announcer that does a lot of fights. And there's days that just that opening, I'm like, nope, not doing it. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm going to try a different metaphor then. It's like a friendship that served you for a really long time. And you love it, but you're not sure if it's a healthy friendship for you anymore.
1: That seems like a, a much better fit.
0: Yeah. Can you expand on sort of what resonates about that?
1: I guess it's that concept of the friendship, somebody who's there. Uh, to help you in good times and in bad. And then that relationship becomes either one sided or just is no longer a good fit, and watching that come to a, perhaps come to an end or having to redefine that relationship.
0: So, I'm going to ask you to do a little imagination with me. What if I said to you, don't listen for a month and see how you feel? How does that make you feel?
1: Oddly, I feel better about that having had it suggested than coming up with it on my own, (laughs) which I'm not sure makes sense. It seems like something I I certainly could try. I, I guess the reason I never came up with it on my own is, as you mentioned, that fear of removing a guardrail.
0: Yeah. You know, you have this great relationship with your wife that I wonder if there's a version of, you know, things that you've done before where you say to her, is this a daily podcast, a weekly podcast? Weekly. Weekly. So I wonder if you say to her, you know, an episode came out today and I'm not going to listen. Can you check in on me? Because I'm not going to listen. Right? Like sort of a baby guardrail. <laughs> or, right, like can you watch me with me and see if you notice a change?
1: Um, I'm not sure that I want her to focus anymore on that aspect of things. Totally. She's given me a lot of trust. Yep. And I I don't know that I want to say, hey, trust me less. Yeah. <laughs> but I might have someone else I could put in that role.
0: Right. What is the risk of potentially stopping for a month? What is the worst case scenario of you taking a one-month break?
1: I guess the overriding fear is loss of control. But my relationship has changed so much over the last 12 to 18 months with it that that is no longer – A constant concern. Before I had another alternative and back when I relied on them periodically, that was a concern, the loss of control. And it's just occurring to me now that I don't have that. And so I I guess I just had never fully thought that through.
0: And what is like the best case scenario of taking a month off? What do you think you would maybe get back by not listening?
1: Again, this might sound odd, but I feel like maybe I would have the weight of that taken off of my shoulders.
0: Uh, the weight of what? Can you explain what that is? The
1: weight of that of giving myself constant concern.
0: Mm-hmm. Constant concern about your use of medicinal marijuana?
1: No, m- the constant concern of the use of opiates because I'm not. Outside of the hospitalization, I had not taken one since probably April of 2022. Yeah. So outside of the hospitalization, it just was not something that is in my life in any regularity anymore.
0: So is the question, how long do I treat myself like an addict, even though that label isn't necessarily serving me anymore?
1: I think that's a good way to phrase it. And I'm not sure that I'd realized that prior to this conversation. But yeah, it kind of comes back to the old adage that, you know, when you talk to alcoholics, like they never stop being an alcoholic. You wouldn't have applied the label of addict to me previously And so now I'm wondering how I treat myself in that relationship.
0: Yeah. I think so many people are going to resonate with what you're saying. And I think that conversations around addiction and so many things, mental illness, queerness, right, like are so specific in scope that there isn't always conversation around, you know, the spectrum of experiences. And so it makes sense to me that like an adage that, works for a lot of people a lot of the time, also leaves a lot of people out a lot of the time.
1: Yeah. And I think as long as I had pills in my house, I felt more comfortable in that. But again, July of 2022 was the first time in more than 15 years I flat out got rid of them and have not had them in my home until I was hospitalized.
0: I mean, it sounds to me like it's not quit this podcast, but try a break from this podcast and sort of flirt with the idea of quitting your relationship with the word addict for yourself. Does that sound right? This feels so high risk. I don't want to, I don't want to put any words in your mouth.
1: Well, but I'd never applied the label addict to myself. I treated myself in some ways like an addict, Mm -hmm. but the way I've phrased it to a lot of people is the difference between chemical dependency and addiction is kind of like a razor's edge and I'd always fallen on one side of that line mm-hmm. but I no longer am anywhere near as close to that line. Yeah. And so it, it it feels like a good option to try. I don't know how the labels work in that scenario. Yeah. And maybe I just don't worry about the labels right now.
0: Yeah. That feels possible to you to not worry about the labels right now? Yeah. I'm really excited for you. Pain and pain management is, I mean, just like so debilitating and can really negatively impact a life. And so the fact that you have been someone in pain and have found a healthy way to manage that pain, I'm just really happy for you. And I hope that you get to use that to transition sort of flirting With the idea that like, oh, maybe I'm half a mile from the razor's edge, not right on it anymore, and sort of living in this new maybe freer place.
1: Yeah. I think maybe it's the freedom that has in part scared me. Yeah. Because I've needed the guardrails for so long now, maybe the freedom scares me.
0: I mean, and that's the exciting thing or the potentially helpful thing about a podcast, right? Like, It's not actually going anywhere. If there's a day where you're like, do you know what? I need some shoring up. It's still there. It's just not as soon as that pops up in your feed, you're like, okay, it's my responsibility to listen because I need this
1: relationship with this guardrail. Yeah. That that sounds like a a good fit and that it, part of me in this conversation is sitting here going, "Well, why didn't this occur to me before now?" <laughs> I
0: feel like that's a lot of people's experiences. That's my experience in talking to friends, right? Like, we just have to think out loud with people. And you, you're amazing. You're amazing. The way that you have taken care of yourself and your wife over these last 17 years. I mean, like, it's really incredible. And the empathy with which you speak about people who are in a different relationship with addiction. Like, really, it's incredible.
1: I think the experience gave me a lot of empathy. I now understand how people get there. I've dedicated time over the years to helping others uh, in that regard and helping them better deal with their own addiction. Yeah, it's it's been, it has felt like a community for a long time. And I guess maybe some of it's even just the fear of losing that community.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's real too. And right, like then there are questions about what communities you will now have the time to invest in differently. And I think that 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 will be a big part of it because leaving a community does mean that there will be an empty space. And so how do you want to fill it, I think is one of your next questions. But I have all the faith in the world that you're going to fill it with a really meaningful and ethical thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's the, uh, I guess another element of just that fear of unknown leading into that, so.
0: Yep. Well... Rob, thank you so much for coming on. I wish you like more than the best of luck. I'm just really excited for this next phase for you. And I know it's scary and I'm just really hopeful that it's going to be great.
1: Thank you for the conversation and for making me think about it in different ways.
0: You've been listening to Should I Quit? Our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is entirely funded through our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. So if you're a regular listener, we'd love your support. Another way you can support this show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and Twitter at the Real Q Pod. We love to shout out our BFF-tier patrons, Molly Reely, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Shram, Effie Hugh, Shannon Sheehan, and Renee Underhill. We're a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister. We are edited by Ariana Nettleman, and our music is by Nick Bull. We are distributed by ACAST. Thank you so much to Rob for joining us today. And thanks, as always, to our wonderful team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Laura Glass, AJ Arama's Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Willison, Courtney Brown, Casper Trickell, and Stephanie Paulsell.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.